Weeks we've been looking at each beatitude, and this morning we're going to continue our series. And as a way to begin this morning, I'd like us to read the beatitudes together. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter three. I'm sorry, chapter five, verse three. It's page nine fifty eight in your pew Bibles. I believe the words will be on the screen. And it's just as a reminder, as you're turning there, this is a very, very exciting time in the life and teachings of Jesus. Jesus was already baptized. He's already called his first followers. And, and God's doing an amazing work through the life of Jesus. People are being healed. The paralyzed are healed. Those having seizures, those in severe pain. Jesus even casting out demons. This is a very exciting time during the life and teachings of Jesus. And a large crowd, in fact, crowds of people, People are gathering around Jesus. They're, they're mesmerized by his power. People from Judea and Jerusalem and Decapolis. Some were Jews and some were Greeks. But all were there to experience God's kingdom coming to earth. To experience God's power in their lives. And it's in the midst of this large crowd of people longing for God's kingdom to come. Longing for their oppression to be over, this political oppression that they were experienced by the Roman government, this religious oppression that they were experienced by the religious leaders of the day, the economic oppression, longing for this freedom from their oppression. Jesus speaks these words to these first followers, longing for God's kingdom to come to earth. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And please stand with me as we read God's word together. Matthew chapter 5, verse Three. Let's read together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Please have a seat. Blessing. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Jesus' first words in his first sermon, the sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount, are words of blessing. Jesus doesn't speak words of condemnation. Jesus doesn't speak words of judgment. Jesus doesn't set up some new set of rules that we need to follow in order to get into God's good graces. Jesus speak words, spoke words of blessing. And he doesn't bless the people that we might expect. He, he doesn't bless the, the unwealthy with wealth. He doesn't bless the, the unhealthy with health. He doesn't bless the unwise with wisdom. He blessed the poor. He blessed the broken. He blessed the hungry. He blessed the unexpected. And last week, Jesus made a subtle but significant shift. Last week, we learned that now, Jesus says, now that you've experienced my presence in your brokenness, and now that you've experienced my comfort in your mourning, now that you've experienced my peace in your hunger and thirst for righteousness, I want you to extend it to others. I want you to be a blessing to others. See, last week we studied that fifth beatitude where Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who have compassion on those in need, and blessed are those who forgive people that hurt you. Blessed are the merciful. And last week we learned that if we're having a hard time uh, helping those that are hurting, if we're having a hard time going to feed those that are hungry or hurting, that maybe we need to return to Beatitude 1. 
and, and just acknowledge that I'm poor in spirit, that I'm spiritually malnourished, that I need God to fill me. That if we're having a hard time showing mercy to others, that maybe we need to experience God's peace and presence in our lives. That if we're having a hard time forgiving the people that hurt us, maybe we need to return to Beatitude 2 and just acknowledge I'm hurt. This, what this person did to me is really painful and I want to mourn. I want to get out what's going on inside and experience God's comfort. See, maybe we need to return to Beatitude 1 or Beatitude 2. Or maybe if you're in a hard time, you know, showing mercy or compassion or being a blessing to others, we need to return to that hunger and thirst. That ache inside our soul for right relationships with one to another and experience God's peace, God's presence in the midst of our ache, in the midst of our longing. See, Jesus makes this subtle yet significant shift. He says, now that you've experienced my blessing, Now that you've experienced my presence, my mercy, I want you to give it away to others. I want you to be a blessing to others. And some of you took Jesus' words very seriously last week. Some of you sent me emails and says, you know what? I know that God has blessed me and I want to be a blessing to others. You say, how can I bless our short-term missionaries? How can I bless our long-term missionaries? And you said, I want to be a blessing to the missionaries that, that are supported in our church. And some of you also told me about your kids and how your kids are living out the virtue of kindness. And they're being kind to their friends and neighbors and even kind to their siblings because they're living out this, this mercy, uh, this uh, uh, virtue of kindness by showing mercy. And some of you says, you know, our community group is actually getting excited about being a blessing to others. And you went on to describe how your community group was thinking about how you can be a blessing. And one person even here says, you know what, God has blessed me so much in my career that I received a car and I gave my car away. To someone in need. See, some of you are are extending God's blessing to others. Why? Because that's what you do. Once you experience God's peace, once you experience God's blessing, once you experience God's generosity, the most natural thing to do is to give it away. And that's what Jesus said last week to us. He says, now that you've experienced my mercy, I want you to extend that mercy to others, to be merciful. But this week, Jesus pulls it back a little bit. Jesus reigns us in a little bit. He says, in the midst of our excitement to be a blessing to others, in the midst of our excitement to participate in God's kingdom coming to earth, in this beatitude, Jesus reels us in a little bit. And see, in verse 8, Jesus says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, this is one of my favorite beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because who doesn't want to see God, right? Who doesn't want to see God's beauty? Who doesn't want to see God's glory? Who doesn't want to see God at work in your life, in your children, in your workplace, in your neighborhood? In fact, I'd like to do a little bit of a poll this morning. If you'd like to see God at work in your world, just want to see you raise your hand. Who who wants to see God? All of us want to see God. All of us have this God-shaped hole in our heart, longing to see his beauty and his glory, longing to see him at work in our lives. All of us has this this longing to see God at work in our lives. But here's the second question. Anybody here have a pure heart? I won't ask you to raise your hand on this poll question, but anyone here can say that their heart is free from sin? I mean, if your heart is like mine, you struggle with sin. I mean, you, you, you've not only struggled with temptation, but sometimes you fall into temptation. You don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. See, all of us have this longing to see God, but we know our hearts are not pure. 
A similar question was asked in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9, where we read this. Who can say I have kept my heart pure? I am clean and without sin. The answer, no one. No, no one can say I have kept my heart pure. No one can say I am clean and without sin. All of us sometimes fall short giving God the glory due to his name. But Jesus declares, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And Jesus was emphatic here. In the Greek, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for you and you alone will see God. See, I'm both attracted and repelled by this beatitude. I'm attracted because I want to see God at work in my life. I want to see God's beauty and God's glory. I want to see God. But at the same time, I know my heart. My heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feed it. I know that I sometimes fall and struggle with sin. I know, and if your heart's like mine, you know that same tension. I want to see God, but I know my heart, and my heart is not pure. So how is this a blessing? I mean, is Jesus trying to frustrate us or bless us this morning? Well, we know he's trying to bless us. We know that he always is seeking to bless us. So we need to dig a little deeper into this beatitude this morning. See, the Greek word for pure is katharos. Let me hear you say katharos. Katharos means unmixed. It means undivided. It means genuine and real. There are no foreign elements. It refers to physical, religious, and moral purity. It's, It's unmixed. It's undivided. It's genuine. It's pure. And the Greek word for heart is cardia. It's where we get the word cardiology. And it refers not just to our our physical heart. It's not just our emotional feelings. It's who we are on the inside. It's that internal self. It's that mind, will, and emotions. It's that center for our passions and desires. It's our inner self. And Jesus blessed the pure, undivided insides. He blessed the pure, undivided inner self that longs for God. See, Jesus reaches back to Psalm 24 in this beatitude, describing what God cares about most. In Psalm 24, verse 3, it says this, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who may see God at work in the world? Who may stand and see God's glory and experience God's presence? Well, he continues. The one who has a clean hand, clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God, who can ascend to the who can experience God, who can see God at work in your life and in the world It's those that have clean hands and a pure heart. But during the time of Jesus, people focus more on having clean hands. See, there were many laws, if you can remember, between the cleanliness laws, between the clean and the unclean. And for whatever reason, people were drawn to these external standards. Maybe it was easier, maybe it was easier to count or easier to do. But they they did the external, but they neglected their hearts. They were overly concerned about external things instead of internal things. They were focused on clean hands Instead of pure hearts. In fact, according to the Mishnah, which were the rabbinical teachings of the day, there were over 200 pages of cleanliness laws. Not 200 laws, but 200 pages of cleanliness laws. And there were the oral traditions of helping people stay clean externally. 
And there were different levels of uncleanliness. In fact, there were three different levels. And clean, having unclean hands were at the second and third level of uncleanliness. That's why people, before they went into worship, there were ceremonial pools where they could clean their hands in order to enter into the presence of a holy God. But people were overly concerned about external cleanliness, about having clean hands at the expense of a pure heart. But God's always been concerned about our hearts, right? God's always been concerned about our insides. Do you remember what God said to Samuel before he anointed David as the new king? Do you remember that story in in 1 Samuel 16 when when Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he sees all these young men that were fit and, and strong and wise and willing to be the next king? And you remember what, what God heard from Samuel in Samuel 16, verse 7. He says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, I do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He said he rejected all these young men that were, were, were strong and looked wise and had, had, had the external appearance of kingship. But the Lord does not look at these things that people look at. People look at the outward ex- appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God shows David, this young boy that was out taking care of the sheep to be the new king, to be the king of the people because his heart was for God. See, God looks at the heart. The Lord, the sovereign one, the one that's in control of the universe, doesn't look at outward appearance. He doesn't look at external standards. He looks at our hearts. See, Christianity has always been a religion of the heart. I don't know what went wrong where Christianity started to be this set of rules of do's and don'ts. If you do the things that you're supposed to do and then you're in, if you don't do the things that you're supposed to do, you do the things that you're not supposed to do, then you're out. But that's not what God says. That's not what God's concerned about. God's concerned about our hearts. Men look at the expert appearance, but the Lord looks at our hearts. Later in the book of Matthew, Jesus has this interaction with the religious leaders of the day. With the Pharisees, who are concerned about the external standards, who are concerned about having clean hands. Jesus has this dialogue with them in Matthew chapter 15. He says this, verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, these 200 pages of cleanliness laws? They don't wash their hands before they eat. They're not concerned about having clean hands. They're approaching God in the wrong way. And Jesus says some very strong words to these Pharisees, overly concerned about having clean hands. He says to them, you got it all wrong. You're focused on the wrong things. You're focused on the external standards. You're focused on external cleanliness when God's concerned about your heart. In verse 7, chapter 15, he says this, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You hypocrites, you phonies, you actors. You're half-hearted in your worship. You think that because you're just going through the exercises, you're just showing up for worship, you're just giving it your, your half-heartedness, you're acting, you're fakes, you're phonies, you're just going through the motions, through the rules by men. You're overly concerned about the external standards instead of your hearts. And what I find fascinating is that Jesus quotes Isaiah, meaning this has been a problem for a long time, right? Because Isaiah was back in 700 B.C., And that same tendency was happening way back then, this tendency to focus on the external, but neglecting 
our hearts for whatever reason. Maybe it's easier. Maybe people just lost their way. Maybe it's part of our human condition to try to focus on our external things of right and wrong rather than looking at our hearts. Isn't that what we do sometimes as people longing to know God? Isn't that what we do sometimes in our relationship with God? When asked the question, how are you and God doing? We often go through this list of things that we do. Well, I read my Bible. I had devotions. You know, I I memorized scripture. I attended worship. I did these things. And that quantifies that I and God are doing well. That I and God, we are doing fine. We quantify our relationship. We go to worship. We, we read our Bibles. We serve others. Instead of looking at our hearts, we look at these list of things that we can do to quantify our relationship with God. And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with reading your Bible. There's nothing wrong with attending a worship service. There's nothing wrong with, with even having clean hands. It's just that those external activities will never make your heart Clean. And if your heart's not clean, guess what? You can't see God. See, we can study the Bible. We can know the Greek. We can study the Hebrew. We can read the scriptures. We can fill our minds with God's word. But when our knowledge of God moves past our love for God, we miss God. We can't see God at work in the world and in our lives. See, Jesus had these strong words to these Pharisees, these strong words to the people that just looked down the list. He had these strong words to these people that were overly concerned about external things and not concerned about their hearts, their love, their worship of God. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says these strong words. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. There he says it again, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the dish, outside of the cup. You look like you have it all together. But when you look inside, your hearts are full of greed and self-indulgence. You're just concerned about yourself. You're just using your money for yourself. You're just concerned about yourself. You may attend worship. You may even give alms. But inside, you're just going through the motions. You're full of greed and self-indulgence. Your hearts are far from me. You're bored in worship. You're more concerned about yourself than others. And then Jesus instructs them. The path out of this external uh, view on religious life. Verse 26, he says this. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. First focus on your heart. First focus on what's going on inside of you. First focus on your inner self, this, this, this passion seat, this, this mind, this will, this, the, the who you are on the inside. First take a look at your motives, your desires, your heart. And then when your heart is clean, you'll see God. Isn't that what we want? We want to see God. We want to see God's glory. We want to see God's beauty. We want to see God at work in our lives, in our children, in our families, in our workplaces, and in our world. So how do we do that? How do we see? How do we have this pure, clean heart so that we can experience and see God? Well, David is a a great example of a man that's described as a man with this heart after God. He's described as a man after God's own heart. And his life is instructive to us as we seek to have this pure heart so that we can see God. You see, remember, David, this this man, this young 
boy that turned to be king, this one that we sang about earlier, this, this guy that had this undignified passion for God. He wrote many of the Psalms describing his love for God, this one that danced with, for God, this one that unified the nation, the one that's described after, after uh, described as a man after God's own heart. David made this big mistake. And maybe you remember the stake in Second Samuel chapter 11. While the army was out fighting, David stayed back. And instead of doing his duty as a military king and leader in leading the charge at war, he stayed back and he was sitting up on his, his porch. And he noticed a woman named Bathsheba and he called her into his home and he slept with her. And he had her husband killed and he made this tremendous mistake, this grievous sin, this, this error of judgment. And he writes this psalm, this prayer to God in response to his mistake. Psalm 51, we read this. And this is instructive to us that want this unified heart. He says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me of my sin. Cleanse me. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. And then he says this against you and you only. Have I sinned? And we know David sinned against a lot of people. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against her husband. He sinned against the whole people of Israel. But he says against you. I sinned against you, the greatest of Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And then he says this, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit. Restore the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He says, create in me a clean heart. Do something inside of me that I can't do myself. Purify my heart. Cleanse my heart. Make my heart whole. See, the truth that we glean from David's life is simply this. We cannot make our hearts clean. As much as we try to clean our hands, as much as we try to, to conform to the external standards, as much as we try, we can't make our hearts clean. We need God to cleanse us. We need God to purify us. In order for us to see God, God must cleanse and purify our hearts. When I was in high school, I was struggling with sin. I still struggle with sin, but it's, it was different then. It was, I was falling to sin. And while I was struggling with sin, I saw a sketch with a young girl that had a heart around her neck. I attended a Christian event as a high school student and the Jesus figure also had a heart around his neck and the skit went on to describe how this young high school student that I was identifying with was going through some very difficult times. She had a boyfriend and she and her boyfriend were 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 enjoying each other's company, but they went a little bit too far. They overstepped their boundaries and they ended up making a big mistake. And not only did she lose her, her boyfriend, she, she lost her innocence and her heart broke. And her heart just ripped inside of her. And it wasn't just her relationship with her boyfriend. It was also with her parents. She, she went and talked with her parents and tried to work it out. And her parents and she got into a fight and they were arguing. And, and they, they, they broke again. And her heart just ripped. 
And she was trying to interact with her parents. And it wasn't just her parents. She then was in a fog and she tried to go to school the next day. But her heart was broken. So she was there to take a test. And instead of doing her best on the test, she, she ended up cheating and getting caught. And her heart just ripped again. And she went on to see her friends. And her friends there that were supposed to be consoling her were not consoling her. They actually rejected her more. And her heart was just ripping for their relationship with their friends and her own self-deprecation. And she was hurting. And her heart was just, was just broken. It was ripped in many different pieces. And she didn't know how to become whole. She thought, maybe if I tape this thing together, maybe if I try to put the pieces together, she's crying out to God. But she doesn't know how to relate to God. She knows her heart is broken and she finally realizes that she can't fix her heart. So she gives her heart to Jesus. The Christ figure comes in and she gives her heart to Jesus. And then Jesus does the unexpected. Jesus does the unexpected. He doesn't try to tape her heart up. He doesn't try to put all the pieces together. He gives her his heart. See, that's the unexpected blessing. That's the unexpected blessing that the people were longing for hearing the words of Jesus. That's the unexpected blessing that the prophet Ezekiel declared many, many years earlier, describing the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Ezekiel writes this in Ezekiel chapter 36, 26. He says this, I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in. In you, I will remove your heart of stone, your hard heart, your broken heart. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my heart in you. I'll put my spirit in you. I'll give you new desires. I'll give you new passions. I'll restore your broken heart. I'll mold your heart and make it whole. See, God alone purifies our hearts. God alone makes our hearts whole. But the best is yet to come. Verse 27, he says this, and I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I'll move in you. I'll empower you. I'll strengthen you. You won't have to pretend like you have it all together. You won't have to have these external standards. You won't have to try to jump through some gymnastics of religious uh, laws or, or regulations. I'll put my spirit in you and I'll move in you to desire to follow my commands. You won't have to pretend. You won't have to depend upon your own strength. I'll move in you. I'll give you this undivided whole Heart. See, that's God's unexpected blessing. That's what the people were longing for. This heart that were wholly His. It's this new heart. It's this new strength to follow God's way. Not because you have to or you're supposed to because of what you do. It's because of what you want to do. It's this new heart. It's this unexpected blessing that God gives to each one of us who give Him our hearts. So you notice, Jesus did not bless clean hands. Jesus did not bless external conformity. Jesus did not bless perfect worship attendance or a strict reading plan. He blessed the pure in heart. He blessed the undivided heart. He blessed the heart that's wholly his. 
And the question I want you to think about this morning is simply this. How's your heart? As you look inside, what do you see? Is there bitterness? Is there unforgiveness? Is there hurt? Is there mistrust? How's your heart? Are you overly concerned about the demands of the world? Are you distracted by the things around you? Are you bored in worship? Have you lost your awe of God? Are you overly concerned about external standards or what other people think about you rather than what God thinks about you? How's your heart? How are you doing on the inside? And, and, and would you be willing this morning to receive a cleansing? To give God your heart? Because he and whole, only he can make your heart whole. Only he can cleanse your heart. You cannot cleanse your heart. Only God can give you this unexpected blessing of a pure, unified, undivided heart. Would you be willing to give God your heart? Are you struggling with some sin? Maybe you've given God your heart many years ago, but you know inside, as you look inside, you're still struggling with sin. There's still this dark side inside of you that you just can't seem to get rid of. There's this tension, there's this temptation, there's this sin that so easily entangles you. When I interact with people about some of the challenges that they face, I often hear people talk about some sin in their life, and it's almost as if they're in a fog. They're just in a daze. They can't see clearly, and they can't see God. Because there's this sin in their life, there's this bitterness, there's this envy, there's this lust, there's this temptation that they continually fall into and they miss God. And if that's you this morning, I just offer that same thing that God blessed his people. He says, cleanse your heart. In 1 John, we read this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he'll forgive us of our sins. And what will he do? He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. That's not what we can do. We cannot purify our hearts. That's what only God can do. Our response is to give him our hearts and say, make me whole. Cleanse my heart. Forgive me of my bitterness, my unforgiveness, my envy, my gossip, lust. Just do something inside of me that only you can do as the band comes up i'm just want to lead us in an experience an experience to experience god's blessing of a pure undefied undeniable whole heart one of the traditions that i grew up in was the catholic tradition one of the things that we did well was confession it was a little bit scary, a little bit strange at times, but there was this daily, uh, weekly time where we could confess our sins to God. And I think that's something that we sometimes miss in our daily time with God, just to say, God, I know my sins are before me, and I just want to get that out. It's no surprise to you. You already know what's inside my heart. I just want to confess my sin so that you can cleanse me, so that you can make me whole, so that you can give me an undivided heart that's wholly yours. So for the next few minutes, as the worship band leads us in a song of reflection, I just want to give you an opportunity to give God your heart. To say, God, I know that there's sin in my life. I know that there's some challenges that I face. And I want to confess my sin 
to you to experience your forgiveness, to experience your cleansing. And there'll be members of our prayer team that'll be sitting in these first front rows that if you need to talk to somebody during this worship set or after the worship service, there'll be people up here to pray with you. Maybe there's something that's just getting you down or maybe there's something that really is hurting and you need someone to talk to or need someone to pray with you. There'll be people up here ready to, to, to hear your confession, not to judge you, but to bless you, not to condemn you, but to pray for you. Because that's the pathway of Jesus. That's the word that Jesus declares to this large crowd. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And if you want to experience the cleansing, if you want to spend some time asking God to cleanse you of your sins, so you can see him, you can do that in your, in your own seats or you can come forward. And I'll be happy to pray for you and others will pray for you. But that's how we want to tend. We just don't want to hear God's word. We want to experience his blessing upon us. Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the power of your word. And we thank you for the gift of an undivided heart, something that we can never achieve on our own, but only receive from your gracious hand. God, I pray for those that might be struggling with sin or struggling to relinquish their broken heart to you. And I ask that you would speak to them your kindness, your mercy and compassion. Now they can maybe for the first time give you their heart or maybe for the second, third, 50th, 5,000th time to give you their heart and experience your cleansing. Because we need it. We need a heart that's pure in order to see you at work in our lives and in our world. So God, we just commit our time to you and ask that you would cleanse and purify our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are in need of prayer, please feel free to come forward and someone will be here to pray with you. If you have any questions, right outside these doors to the right is a new connections table. But now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may you see God this week, the pure heart.